friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined today for this very special adventure through one small town in time uh, by my friends and returning co-hosts, Kevin Weinman and Mike Cloud. Hey, buddy. What's up? Cloud, I like how this is an audio podcast and you're just waving. <laughs> it was a very prompt and courteous greeting, people. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we're wor- like the doc, we got to work out the kinks. Uh, as you guys know, this month we are doing a uh, fan pick. Uh, selections for all of our movies this month. I hope you guys have been enjoying the ones that we picked so far. This is no different. Uh, Kevin got a hold of me. He's like, how have you guys done as many episodes as you have and not gotten to Back to the Future yet? It's a good question. Um, wildly amazing movie. One of the best trilogies of all time. Uh, two of the most beloved characters of all time. I don't know how it's taken us this long, but I'm glad that we're finally here for Back to the Future. So, uh, Kevin, let's start with you. Why is Back to the Future still so awesome to you? Because um, I'm assuming you saw it when I did, when we were little kids. What about it captivated you then, and what still works for you all these years later? Uh, so first off, I'll, I'll talk about when I was a kid. Um, every part of the deal was magical. Uh, the fact that all of a sudden... You're in two different areas in the same town with magical. And then the, I, uh, listen, I didn't understand the concept of uh, terrorism as a child, but I got that <laughs> when uh, lit up Doc. I was like, good God. Are you guys like that? The, uh, who, who were the, the Libyans? He stole uh, the uh, Libyans. Uh, yeah. 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 I was like, I was like, goodness gracious. All right. Well, that, that, that's certainly a jump in. But as a kid, you get taken to this different place where you had no idea. Uh, this didn't. This wasn't written from a comic book. This wasn't written uh, as as something that I was familiar with. This was an original idea, not a book, uh, uh, an original script where you you meet characters that y- y- it's not like your big brother, or your big sister loved, and it was like this was my thing where I like it. Back new movie, a new concept that has never existed before uh, was, that was a huge part of it but then as an adult it's just an original ip like it's a it's an original concept and i thought that that was so important where you look back at movies during this time and you didn't get a lot of that right like the some of the biggest yeah. movies that were happening were were uh building on each other or was uh so, you know it's like back to the future just blew it all away and I, i'd be in one these three resonated but it's gotta be like outside of the matrix right like and 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 what else what what are some of the bigger original movies that have ever been written that are that are just a living breathing commercial this is three movies worth of a a a a a brilliant commercial that just ran through and if you watch the way that they just drop in local uh, like like recent content along with science fiction that's why people love going back to it all of us 80s kids love going back to this movie because you just get to see all the ace all over again it's fun to think that they're back in time if we went back in time the same amount of time they went back right now 
it'd be going back to the 80s like <laughs> from the if we went back in time right now we'd be going back to the 80s so it's like i that's why i loved it so much so anyways that that was that was my that was my uh, way too long version of what i thought about it right, and, and, yeah the 80s were actually so kind of like thoughts? ideal because this star wars and indiana jones yeah. are all three original ip mega trilogies yeah all in the 80s. Yeah, the, Indiana Jones was the other one that kind of came to mind as far as, like, how much it captivated me along with Star Wars, as Kevin was saying. But you actually uh, want to... Uh, uh, you, you talked about going back, like, as much time as they went back in that movie, we go back to the 80s. Here's an even scarier thought. If we actually went back to the 50s, that is how much time spent between where they go back in time to the Old West. Wait, what? Hit me up with that. What, so, <laughs> what the they fuck? Go, did you that, that, they go back 80 years to go to the Wild no, West, that, right? They go back 70, 70 years. They go back 70 years from the 50s to the Old West. For us to get to the 50s years. is the exact same amount of time. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? That's a bit. That's the thing. It would feel that way to us, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would imme- If I was a time traveler, I'd be immediately dead because I'd just be like, where are the buildings with air conditioning? <laughs> like immediately just oh, yeah. like cave in. I couldn't do like time travel adventuring. Uh, yeah, I think the we'd thing that struck me this can't... time. We'd be yeah, days. I was going to say like I get it, but the thing that struck me, right, was it just it just felt like the coolest movie I had seen when I saw it. You know, yeah. like there was just so much. Like, the music now is kind of, I mean, it's Huey Lewis, right? Like, Huey Lewis and the News were kind of this fun but cheesy as shit band. It's still, but it's something I love about it. I seeing, still love it. Right, but you see the look. And I think Marty McFly is what does it for me, you know? Because it was just cool. The whole movie, he's your leading man hero who is undeniably good looking and charming, but he's also like 5'2. Yeah. So it's not like this unattainable, like, you know, oh, he's like the star athlete, this and that. He's kind of a normal guy who has to get over. You know, he's still able to get a girlfriend. Because it always felt like movies at that time. It's like the Arnolds of the world, right? These giant muscle-bound heroes. Or, you know, weird, creepy losers who maybe can do right at the end. You know, and right. this Marty McFly was in that sweet spot. Like, he was just kind of he's, he's a the best kid. version of what we could be, right? He he was a, an every kid. Yep. But you just saw him. Uh, I'm late for school. I'm skateboarding through town. You know, working it for the doc, which they never really dis- yeah. discuss how that happened, right? And I have questions as the movie uh, goes on. <laughs> but that's what I mean. It just, it felt, it's just an undeniable electricity to the the first act of this movie. And yeah, I mean, I had totally forgotten how fast we got into plutonium and Libyans yeah. and murder, right? Which are all pretty fucking enormous uh, red flags for some of the characters in the film. <laughs> But I just remember seeing it as a kid and just being like, this is the coolest movie I've ever seen. Well, I, uh, so I watched this for, uh, with my son for the first time. And he was like, when are we going to watch Scoob? I'm like, no, we're not watching Scoob. (laughs) He's like, but I want to watch Scoob. Like, no, you want to watch this. He's like, "Eh, I don't know if I want to watch this. Within 10 minutes of him watching this movie, he wanted to finish the entire trilogy. Like, it still captivates kids and still just has a, it just, it's such an imaginative, cool movie like like you said it's kind of draws in that uh that that sci-fi and puts it into the now and every day but also throws in like these imaginative ideas of like you know potential what could be and really kind of even like a little kid it just gets their like brain juices flowing and they just love it that 
And if it's still, there's still nothing cooler than the DeLorean time machine. Like, if, if it weren't for that movie, nobody would care what a DeLorean is. But now, that's still one of the coolest cars of all time. I think one of the things I loved so much about it, too, was the idea that um, uh, when you talk about Michael J. Fox being kind of the everyman, like, every single time that you go see a movie, they, 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 they're either very big mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, they're, kind of, they're, they're a Marvel superhero, or they've got to be this right. small little uh, nerd that overcomes these big obstacles. He's just like middle guy. Right. Where it's like, yeah. he's got the hottest girl at the high school, but he's and he knows how to t- tear up the guitar and he's got skills and he can skateboard like he's got this goofy confidence that he can't get from a lot of actors. <laughs> and, and, and we'll probably talk about a thing out for this movie. It's like he he blows it away. There's a reason why they spent like three extra million dollars to go and reshoot everything. It's because Michael J. Fox <laughs> was the epitome of this film. Yeah, and so I, 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 to this day, I, I, I absolutely, it, it's one of the more rewatchable movies uh, of my lifetime, and I think it's going to be as its own individual film. Uh, but we're going to do our best to talk about Back to the Future as a standalone and try not to get into the uh, two and three too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean that the reshooting of the movie is probably the most fascinating aspect of it right because they cast the guy who they thought would be the next thing in eric stoltz yeah and eric stoltz just made the wrong choice he was playing back to the future as a serious drama piece essentially and zemeckis was like he doesn't understand the comedy (laughs) and they had had shot with eric stoltz for three goddamn weeks three weeks you know of 12 hour plus shoot days and they're just like, they, they just knew it wasn't right and got rid of him. And in turn, we get Michael J. Fox, who becomes, I would argue, one of the most beloved characters in movie history. Oh, definitely. 100%. You know? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it is so, but I mean, just the balls of that. To be like, hey, I know we've been shooting for three weeks <laughs> and spent fuck loads of money. Uh, we need this guy from TV now. <laughs> Well, the the thing that they were kept talking about Eric was that even 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 outside of the scenes which weren't that good, he was trying to be this method actor. He was trying to be a yeah. method actor where he was like, approach me like you would approach Marty, and it's like Marty's not that deep. This isn't this the, you know this will be blood. <laughs> like uh, this, you don't have to be Daniel no. Day. And, and and he was trying to take it to that meta level, but like. The the um the the one of the reasons why it was so it it, it was a quick turn was because they had the backing of a guy like Spielberg. So when Zemeckis goes yeah. Spielberg, and Spielberg goes, "All right, man, I trust you." If you don't have a guy like Spielberg being able to go and say, "I'm allowing you to do that," the studio throws a a fit. But they had yeah. already kind of vetted the fact that Michael J was the guy that they were going with, but his his calendar didn't line up because of growing pains. And he was contractually obligated to having to film with growing pains. And if you actually re- I'm not going to go through the details, but go online and look at what this dude's schedule was when they signed him on to do this movie. It was no joke. He'd wake up early in the morning, bust his butt all the way to go and start filming Back to the Future and film that until like 11 at night and then do it all over again. It took That's... a while and Michael J. Fox was tasked, but the, but it was so, 
Yeah, it's I, I I love the fact though that they knew how hard is it if you hire somebody and you work with yeah. that person for three weeks and you're like, This is my dude, and then you gotta go, you're not my dude anymore. Like kudos to Zemeckis and Spielberg to go and say, Yeah, that that was our call. Yeah. I mean, I agree because it, it it is the gamble that makes this movie. Without without Michael J. Fox, I don't think this thing goes as is. No, that that that's my theory of the movie, and I'm, it it just takes guts, and and it's it's because a lot of times you see these people that go in and have a vision or whatnot, and they just they start caving here and there, and it doesn't come out the same, right? And I'm glad that this movie did, right? Because him. And that's the other thing. I've always wondered that, too, because I, I read a lot about Eric Stoltz's uh, method acting in meta. But I was like, how bad could that have gotten? Because we we see in the script in the movie, Marty McFly's greatest goal is to own a fucking truck <laughs> and be able to drive his girlfriend to a lake so they can fuck. Like, that's his entire. Like, <laughs> this isn't like when Daniel Day-Lewis is playing, you know, like an oil prospector that murders. He's just playing every dude in the 80s yeah, yeah. while shooting in the 80s. So how bad could Stoltz have really been? I think the meta thing was something they added to like, hey, sorry, we fired you. We'll tell everyone you were too artistic for us. So hopefully <laughs> they were like, that'll help you land the fly too. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, Marty I, I, McFly I, I, is not a deep if, character. I, I, wonder if, I wonder if Stoltz at any point was like, listen, when I say the word, what does this mean? <laughs> Am I really heavy? Is the world yeah. heavy? And he just starts. He's like, he's like I say it a few times. It's very, very yeah. It, this <laughs> role is heavy. I bet by the time I bet if we watch the outtakes of what the real thing was, and he says the word heavy, you're like, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah, God, right. you're like the Shakespearean actor that needs to go and <laughs> and then start acting in a high school play. You're the worst. <laughs> And then trying to imagine that with Christopher Lloyd, like just this incredibly like zany, wacky, emotive character, and then God. some guy trying to be Daniel Day Lewis right next to him. He's like running up and well, Doc, uh, be serious, it's science. <laughs> He's like slapping Doc around. <laughs> Clean your house, goddamn. <laughs> Eric Stoltz is going to get lunch, and he's fist fighting the day players that played the Libyan terrorists. You know? <laughs> oh my god. I, I do feel bad, though, because Eric Stoltz went on to have a good career. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pulp Fiction, come on. Like, he, he had good roles throughout his life. He he still had a pretty budding career. So, I mean, I, you can't. <laughs> You're always, the guy that got fired. Always. And by that the way. sucks. Not, not to give you guys, not to give you guys the casting what ifs uh, so early in the conversation, but talk about Christopher Lloyd and. And I just want to get this out of the way. Uh, best, I mean, best choice he could have uh, asked for. Uh, yeah. Killed the role, role of a lifetime. People will remember him for the rest of his life. And in your mind, you're like, there's no way that you could have picked somebody that would have been as good as him. I want to throw out the person they had in mind. And I want to see your reaction. So not be his role was John Lithgow. No. Really? <laughs> I see now. This is the thing. I am a John firm John Lithgow can do any role supporter. I think it would have been different, but I bet John Lithgow could have been a good. I don't. It's hard because obviously, when I think Doc Brown, I'm always measuring against Christopher Lloyd. 
But if I had to pick another guy, John Lithgow feels like the best alternative. No, like I watched Doc Brown so and I see like all these like facial emotions, like emotives, like I can't think of anyone better than Christopher Lloyd, but I think like I was watching like this reminded me more along the lines of like Bruce Kimball and uh, Bruce Campbell and uh, like Jim Carrey. <laughs> like that I wouldn't say they would do better than him, but like that's kind of like the 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 uh, the the, the, the uh, the, the method that I would like, I picked, I associated when I watched him, just like how his facial expressions and how spastic he was and how emotive he was. Uh, like John Lithgow, just I, but, I, I mean, I see John Lithgow as more kind of like nerdy, goofy rather than like zany. But that's what I like. Like if you watch Buckeye Bonzu, right, or Bonsai Buckaroo, you know the adventures of that with Peter Weller and all that. He plays kind of like a weird like. Taken over by alien madcap science. I think that's what I mean. Lithgow, everyone thinks of him as like he's the the generic kind of suburban dad. That guy's got layers. I, I'm yeah, actually, yeah. I would be very intrigued to see, like if I had a, a time machine and I could go back, I would love to see the Stoltz Lithgow. <laughs> right, yeah, I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I have a feeling it doesn't make it to part that, three, uh, but I would love to see that. <laughs> so, so, so I didn't mean to derail the conversation. I'm really interested to kind of dive in with both of you. Okay, so uh, I, I, let's break uh, Back to the Future down right from the get-go. How do you feel like this movie flows? How do you like how it opens? And how do you like how it gets into the time travel? Part of the reason why I asked that question is because when you introduce time travel into any movie, it's always hairy. Yes, this is kind of a this is a kind of an umbrage I wanted to take off the bat. <laughs> because what we learn throughout the series, right, is that this this movie is essentially Back to the Future becomes the infinite bootstrap paradox, right? For those of you who are Doctor Who fans, there's a you can Google uh Doctor Who bootstrap paradox, right? And Peter Capaldi's doctor gives us this amazing story from uh, the doctor's time travels to explain a bootstrap paradox, right? The doctor has a TARDIS. He can travel around anywhere he wants to go. So he travels back. He's a huge fan of uh, Mozart, I think it is, right? And so he goes back in time to the village where Mozart lived. And he goes into the pub and he has sheet music and whatever. He wants to hear Mozart play. And they go, he's like, hey, where's uh, Mozart? And they're like, we don't know any Mozart. What are you talking about? He finds him and Mozart is not a pianist, right? And he's like, but I have this sheet music of you. And he gives Mozart the music that then inspires him to make the sheet music he knows, right? And that's referred to as a bootstrap paradox, right? Yeah. And this movie has like one of the biggest bootstrap paradoxes that also involves music. And which we'll get to. incredibly does not stand the test of time well. And we'll get to that too. But <laughs> I was saying from the very first scene of the movie, they establish that Doc Brown knew Marty was coming in new because this is the weird thing right the movie essentially plays as this was a timeline that is then altered but it's not this is a time loop right uh, the, the back to the future this is the different is they try to say it's a divergent branch but it's not this is actually a time loop it depends on and what clued me in is like why did doc build that gigantic fucking speaker yeah i had totally forgotten about yeah, the, the gigantic, gigantic speaker, speaker. Like, is he did that because he has been in love and obsessed with this character, Marty McFly, for 30 years. What was it with you in every male duo or... Uh, no, 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 no. I don't mean... 
There, it's not a romantically entangled. It's like a father son. Okay. Because what we learn is that Doc Brown is this lonely, weird old miser, right? Who lives in a mansion. He, you know, has all this vast family wealth, but doesn't seem like a wildly fulfilled guy. Isn't insanely successful. I think we do that more in Back to the Future too, but or no, we see that in part one, right? He goes back and sees the doc before his mansion burns down and this and that. But when I saw that speaker, that to me said he fucking knew this kid was coming. He knew Marty he, was coming. This is set, a time he set up movie. a attractive device intentionally to break that he knew would be uh, unresistible to a teenage probably like guitar. hey I'm a cool like because this is the th the scene that they never show in all three movies which pisses me off when did Doc first approach Marty to right. assist him right I know like you never understand right? like how they get started hey come in my house little teenage boy I got a giant speaker for you, <laughs> you know? like, yeah, like, like, it's a weird like, conversation I would have liked to have yeah, seen what was the relationship like he's an assistant or is he just like a neighborhood kid, neighborhood kid that just hung out with him uh See, that feels weirder. That feels weirder if there's no money involved. Mike, Mike, Mike. Bob Gale mentions that it was an internship all the time. None of this is established in the story arc. Bob didn't care about establishing <laughs> it in the story arc. But he was like, it was just an internship scenario. He helped him out on summers, and uh, yeah. uh, he and Doc was going to go on uh, letters of recommendation going For forward. What? And like, that Mark, was it. There was no, no yeah, ambition it, at all. There wasn't too much depth into it so much as, like, mm -hmm. you just have to assume that he gave his time to Doc because Doc was doing things like building giant speakers. Yeah. And he thought that he was cool. Specifically to lure this slacker into becoming a hero. <laughs> <laughs> or, or another uh, experimental dog to send and use his time machine before he got in it. Okay, I'm glad we got to this because, first off, I think – that's my first point is I think it's a time loop and that he knew Marty was coming. My second thing is that when we first meet Doc Brown, I was so incensed with anger and rage at Doc Brown <laughs> that I had not remembered for a long time. It's been a long time since I watched Back to the Future. And I was like, this is red flag after red flag that Doc Brown is a not good and wildly irresponsible man. <laughs> and this also backs up my time loop. If you know it's a time loop, you can excuse some of it. But because there's just so many. One, I'm just going to test it on Einstein and pray he doesn't get murdered. Right. <laughs> that really pissed me the fuck off right off the bat. Yeah, that's actually my son's reaction. He just says, let's go to the town mall and put plutonium in this high speed <laughs> delivery system. That's a nuke. The DeLorean is an actual nuclear yeah. device, like a nuclear missile. And he's like, fuck it, I'll just blow up the mall and, like, irradiate all of Hill Valley. <laughs> <laughs> just have, like, a huge he's, nuclear This is the other thing. Hill they Valley. never show us the Libyan deal. Like, so there, there's a 24-style scene or whatever, right, where Doc Brown's sitting there all sweaty dealing with terrorists. I was like, this is not the lovable time travel companion I remember. <laughs> he, he doesn't seem to, like, for someone who seems to grasp the dangers of – time travel he doesn't seem to grasp the dangers of anything else like handing libyan nationalists <laughs> a bunch of what do you say like clock parts and just lie that it was yeah. Tom. <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah it's fine I, I just gave him some of this stuff he'll be good we got our plutonium by the way here help me put hey teenage kid with no i really hate training at all <laughs> help me put this in the car <laughs> I hate how he's stringent on his own rules that he makes up, but all of a sudden when uh, Marty's asking him about the uh, Libyans, he's like, 
oh, I just gave him clock parts. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Like, I, I thought that that was a little, that was asking a lot of a high school kid. And by the way, <laughs> I think the word heavy, out of every scene from all of these movies, that in, in less than half of an episode of Sesame Street, we see a man get murdered. Like, and it's supposed to be, what, is this, you know, the PG? And they just light yeah. him up, up, and you're like, good lord! Like, it, 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 it took no time, and then, so we, we get to go and see him, uh, an older man lure, you almost kill a dog and try and send him back in time, and then that dude gets murdered. There's a lot of stuff. I just find myself wondering, it, it did this movie really create a lot of issues with people later on in their lives wishing that they could go back in time scientist friend getting murdered i just in that moment like uh, I, when he went back in time uh, for the first time I, I i watched it and i was like man as a kid if i had seen that like would i have been okay with that because i don't know that that dude's alive later and then i know i know how i get to go and see, I get to see him pretty quickly, but I'm like, oh, I don't know how this is. I, I'm going to be able to wrap my head around this. Okay, so he goes back. So this is another part that was so romantic about this film. is it, It's such a great uh, dynamic because we do have cars. We do have that small town feel. We do have people still going to the so shop. Like, people going from now back to the 1980s, isn't that romantic? It's like, I've got my iPhone and we've got TV and stuff, but it's like, you go back to the 80s, it's like really big cell phones and you guys like do a lot of cocaine. Yeah, right. So much cocaine. <laughs> you go back to the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you go back to the 50s. It seems very romantic, like a good old, really good dichotomy, like a juxtaposition between, you know, then and now. And you can actually still carry over some of the stuff. Like, by the way, one of the things that did not resonate with me, what would he said, I want a Pepsi free. What the, what was a Pepsi? That free? had to have been something. Dude, in the I, I only remember, remember uh, when uh, Pepsi crystal or crystal yeah. Pepsi came out that fucking disgusting, yep. like clear corn syrup shit. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing that was like something like diet Pepsi when like they were yeah. trying to like brand something different than diet Coke. Yeah. It, that was so in a weird. movie that feels so timeless that's one where you're like ew what <laughs> gross well, the, marty you're not cool the funny anymore. thing is though you mentioned like going back to the 80s like watching this movie with my son was like him time traveling back to the 80s and he hated every single thing he saw about the 80s he's like why are there brown cars like what is a brown what? cars that pissed him <laughs> he's like who would buy a brown car uh, it's like, dude, you're 11. Focus on the skateboarding, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if your kid would be like, wait, what are these? What did you call them? Bullies? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> there are mean kids in school? What's happening? <laughs> you had no, I don't, but I, I'll say this, though, too. I think watching, and I would imagine for an 80s audience it resonates, but even today, right? We got a, we got a lot of tumult uh, going around. But I was like, just imagine if they're like, uh, so my friend got murdered by terrorists. And this is the thing, I not a lot of blood, but like you see some body shots. Lucky they don't shoot him in the face, whatever. Right. And you just jump back into what looks like 
the 1950s in this movie feel like a time that couldn't have existed. You know what I mean? Because even when I was in the 80s, you're like, there's a lot of like old racist people. So they were probably the ones like back that, you know, you're like this idyllic town doesn't even feel like it's a thing that could have existed. They were still racist in, in the 50s, though, in the movie. Remember the right? The black- there just were not any because the only black guy I think we see are the guy who's being yelled at. And he's like, ah, sweep the floor. And he's like, maybe I'll be mayor. Right. Which we know he does become mayor in the band. But you're like, other than that, it's like all whites, all white people. <laughs> but that's what I mean. The 50s feel the 50s feel like the most science fiction part of the movie to me. Feel like the most what? They feel like the most science fiction part to me. It felt like a Twilight Zone. I don't know, but it's like where it's like this guy's like dealing with plutonium and cars and terrorists. And then all of a sudden he's just at like a soda fountain. You know what I mean? It's like he's like fighting Archie and the boys. I was like. It, but it's it like struck me a lot more nowadays. But it's still inherently like it shows like a violent time too. Like we're you know high school kids would threaten to beat the crap out of each other, and like sexual assault was out in public was considered okay. Like with, with like well, right. I mean, the movie doesn't the look range. at it that yeah. way. But I'm saying as I've aged, there's something that struck me this time watching it, it that it has almost like a happen. supernatural horror element. In some ways, when it feels like the moment that that car launched, and again, I believe this is a time loop scenario. The moment they launch that DeLorean, it feels like time is specifically fighting back against yeah. Marty and the Doc. Especially in the second movie. Well, yeah, it gets worse as the series yeah, like, goes on in I was a like weird way. Them, like, oh my God, like, like if you have like any underlying like anxiety with this movie, like it has to set off because like something goes wrong like all <laughs> the time. Like you think they got it figured right. out, and immediately something else goes wrong. It's like almost like Stephen King's uh, was it nineteen sixty two? Oh yes, yes, yes. But this is this is what I think is weird though, mm-hmm. right? Because the doc is always saying, "Be careful what you do." Uh, you know, it's kind of that if you step off the what is that? Uh, the Sound of Thunder, I think, is the famous novel where they go back to see dinosaurs and he steps on a leaf and he comes back and it's like an apocalyptic yeah. wasteland. And so the doc's always warning about that kind of stuff. The movie, one of the things in the movie that I hear people bitch about a lot is the photograph, right? It's like our time travel device. And I was like, yes, I get it. It's a very unscientific, like, Oh man, my mom like wants to suck my dick, so now I have half a brother. <laughs> right? Like, wouldn't they all be erased at once instead of like, you know, oh my brother's a headless horseman? Yeah. No, it doesn't <laughs> I was like, I get it, it that it's not cool though that I'd actually really like. But that's what I mean. It's not scientific, but that is a great storytelling yeah. device. It's a great touchstone to what their mission is, because as they get lost in this nineteen fifties realm, it just gets very, very fucking strange. But I'll tell you what I what struck me this time. Because I was, I really liked uh, the scenes with Marty and Crispin Glover a lot more this time, like in my more advanced age, right? <laughs> like I thought is, could you imagine getting to go back and hang out with your dad as a teenager? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, the mom stuff is still extra scary, but the dad stuff was kind of. Cool. I just hated the idea that Crispin Glover right off the bat was a perv, and like right. I forgot that that was that he was a thieving fan. <laughs> like, oh god, that's yeah, I like, totally oh, forgot that so too. Gross. Yeah, when but, we watched uh, the, like, back in the 80s, when but, people watched that, were they like, oh, he's just being, like, a teenage ah, boy. He's just, uh, that, that old so-and-so. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we don't have because I was uh, waiting we for the scene when they were board. neighbors, this right? This is just normal. This is what, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because if you're like, they're just neighbors, maybe he's bird watching. <laughs> 
one of the reasons why this movie was made was because Bob Gale and Zemeckis were both asking each other, would you be friends had you known him? And so that's kind of the whole story arc that they wanted to go and create is what what, you guys have been cool with each other. And I love that that's where it kind of jumped off from and not the whole, would you, you know, have sex with your mom thing. That was, that would have been way worse. Um, But, but, but they were trying, they were trying to figure out like whether or not the people that influenced your life were that influential earlier in their lives. Yeah. And so like Griffey, to your point, dude, how, how great was right? Like, like when, 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 when they're in the lunchroom and he's like, why don't you keep going with your idea? Like, cause Marty was the only person at that point encouraging his dad yeah. to pursue his dream of writing the novel, which obviously, uh, I uh, love to your that po- part. Yeah. 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 That was such a great part. That was such a great part. And it's weird too, because this one has a, a different wish fulfillment, which is he's not, cause I think the way most people would write this scene is you go back and impart the lessons your dad gave you to your dad when he needs most, right? Uh, this one's not. He kind of always hates his... That is something I did not remember, is this... Because the first half of the movie, I was like, this is a hellscape that the McFly family is, right? Like, his their lives suck. Yep. Suck. And the mom has this one yep. nice memory, right, of, oh, the under-the-sea dance. And everything in that life is so bad. But I had kind of forgotten the ending. And as I'm watching, I was like, is Marty McFly actually bad? Like, should he mm-hmm. not not condemn his mom and dad to go back to the timeline that he just came from? Should he step in and save his mom from marrying his dad? <laughs> I had that thought because yeah. I forgot in the end that they, like, moved on up. Yeah. So I was like, there's a way to look at this that Marty is just a really selfish piece of shit well, you to know, not he, free his mom and dad of this horrible life thing. But he did kind of like try to like, he, he recognized that his dad's failures was due to a complete like lack of confidence and ambition. And he did try to instill that into him, maybe not realizing that's actually right. going to have significant effects down the road. Sure, sure. But, but even the, that, I, I think you could argue that yeah, I don't. I mean, it is weird now knowing how it. It was like one of those fun things that, as I was rewatching it, that's a cool thing about rewatching movies you haven't seen in a while. Is if you forget certain parts, it becomes this whole new adventure. And I was just like, Marty fucking sucks. <laughs> like there was a very small part of me that was like, would it be better for Marty to all the way bang his mom and become her husband? <laughs> I was like running out like the time travel like paradoxes. You know what I mean? Like. What happens yeah. if the, but I was like, you destroy the space save your mom from this? Marty doesn't exist and therefore doesn't go back in time to bang his mom. <laughs> then you start this, this, this reality that can't exist. But like his, but he's not a bad guy because his whole point. <laughs> that's one thing I actually really love about this movie is that it does try to avoid the paradox by that he has no point in going back. He has no goal. He just is driving away from terrorists. So he has no goal to go back in time to create a paradox from the time travel in and of itself. That's right. That's right. That doesn't happen until later, until he yeah, accidentally yeah. screws he, he was up. Forced so he forced to set things back to normal as if he was never there. Sure. No, no I'm with you on that, but yeah, he, he, he was, but he was he, forced. Yeah. No, go he, ahead, Kevin. <laughs> he was forced to step on the butterfly. This yeah, was a yes. sound of thunder moment. Like he was forced to step on the butterfly. Like we, yeah. we, we just didn't think, resonate he didn't think it was going to resonate 
and we love them back to the doc when the doc is like you didn't do anything did you and he's like well it kind of did everything and it, I, I love that part where he's like great stop like you screwed everything up <laughs> sorry yeah. Griffey, you i may have it. accidentally gotten my mom moist and the doc's like great scott that's the worst thing you could do <laughs> but i was just like marty stop being so goddamn cool in front of your mom what do you think's gonna happen it's, it's oh man like marty probably has like pheromones that were i gotta know like the the ramifications of this are insane like putting like um uh, anyways but I was just saying, because I'd forgotten the scene in the car where Marty's pretty much like, I think I got to like borderline assault my mom <laughs> so that my dad can come out and kick my ass and make me without knowing the end where they moved on up. You're like, yeah. this is real. Like Marty and Doc now, in my estimation, are both so much more grungy than I Because <laughs> that's the thing you see. Marty's like, uh, what if you got to do something? You don't know if you could go through with it. I was like. What is hap like what is Marty's mental image in that moment? <laughs> what was he planning like, on doing? What is his game plan? Right? <laughs> and that's before he even knew, like, oh, mom's hammering booze and is just ready to plow. Right? Like, what is Marty's like, what's the move? And that the terror, and this is where it gets into this this subtle kind of supernatural horror film where it feels like time is fighting back. Yeah. And time said, oh, you want to fuck with me? <laughs> fuck with your mom. <laughs> you know, like, he was forced right into this mix. Oh, it's it, it's really, yeah. there's a lot extra going on for, again, like Kevin said, which is ostensibly supposed to be a fun family PG romp. Well, <laughs> there's just, a lot of dark undertones. <laughs> well, you, you get back to, like, the PG rating, I think, way different back then. So there's, like, actual nudity in this series as well on a PG. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I might have been wrong. It might have been PG-13, but regardless, I, I, I think sure. that... The, See, what he, was he, 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 I'm right? Okay. Um, but I, I, I also uh, am, am really amazed, though, uh, it, how many times in this movie, Marty... Um, all right, so, so he goes and he starts eating dinner with his grandpa and grandma, and, like, the, it, it's the family before the family. And... Uh, just how many times he he keeps saying things he shouldn't be saying where he's like oh i've seen this one it's like you've this one this is the first time oh yeah we have right. got a couple tvs no one has a couple tvs he can't catch on where he's like this is old <laughs> talk about things like you're old like, <laughs> talk about like, old timey shit for yeah. as cool as marty was that dude could not stop stepping on his dick when it came <laughs> going and saying the wrong thing like <laughs> but i i so actually bad, like well the the craft the craft of this bit is so smooth yeah but i mean it's so smooth the way they layer in like uncle joey and the baby yeah clip. he's yeah. like hey get used to that view like that's just that's just brilliant you know what i mean and, and also what it does too is it unpacks the lies of our parents where her mom now yeah because she so wishes she didn't marry George McFly as like this very prudish lady, like wanting her daughters and sons not to yep. fuck. But you see, like she's wanting to throw it around when she's younger because, hey, that's what we all want to do when we're that age. It's it's really slick in this scene yep. how because not only do they have these really cool like a, a lot of the lines of dialogue had these double meanings, which is extra fun in a time travel layered movie. But also just that I was really impressed how slick the the obstacles were laid out, right? Like you were saying, Mike, like there's always every single thing goes wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it does like some movies do that and it feels overwhelming. Mm-hmm. We're like, I get it. Like, stop. Like, <laughs> let them have one victory. This feels really smooth in how they accomplish the, you know, here's the DeLorean. You need to fix this, and we're gonna get the clock tower because we know when the lightning comes. <laughs> and, and so unpredictable. It's really like, well as thought soon out. As they get it fixed, as soon as it goes right, like something unpredictable. Like I think the first time you saw that, you would never predict it. Everything that goes wrong goes wrong. Like yeah, they get the clock tower hooked up, and the tree branch falls down and takes it out. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I still have no idea yeah. what Doc did. To get uh, down to the road to save that. Oh, where he <laughs> throws the, the cord around and zip lines. Yeah, because he's kind of doing this cool, like, Buster Keaton, you know, Harold Lloyd hanging from the clock, snaps it in, and then out of nowhere, he just, like, lassoes the tree mm-hmm. and zip lines down. I was like, I don't know what happened, but that's ah, cool. Uh, <laughs> One of the things that I think is so great about this, though, is, is how much of this movie uh, gets you a double payoff. And no, yes. usually usually when somebody wins, they win, end of movie. That's it. Like, you know, and, and, and it's the same old story where, you know, you're, you're, you you apex to the moment where the big bad guy and the big good guy fight and then the good guy wins. This is one of those great moments where it's like Crispin Glover, not the main character, punches the asshole Biff, win. It's not the apex win, though. Right, it's yes. a double win. Yeah, because then he's polishing the car. Right, <laughs> you're like, oh, your whole life looks shitty. Oh, that's amazing. Boost your life. Like, he <laughs> does such a great job. Where, like, yeah, there's a lot of negatives that happen at the beginning, uh, but but the the double payoff is so great. You get to see how, as opposed to just in the immediate moment, which I thought cool when I kept watching these movies go back over and over again, I was like, well, that's, that's why people keep coming back to it is that they not only like to see the fact that somebody won, but it's like fucking 30 years later, the fact that they won meant something positive for them. And we get to see how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the great time travel thing, right? Is we all have like those like couple moments of what if I had done this? What, what if, and it's, what I like about this yeah. movie is that it's great to play that out with a teenager because, you know, there's a movie I love uh, about time travel called About Time, right? Yeah. And it's true. just it's about this family who like Dom Hall Gleason, you know, is in it. And if you close your eyes in a dark place, you can travel back to your personal timeline whenever you want. Well, there's this great scene when his sister has a car accident and he wants to go back and prevent it from happening. But by going back too far right to where her like alcoholism started he went past the birth of his child and when he comes back to the present he now has a daughter instead of the son he loved mm-hmm. right and it's like oh fuck like i'm a dad so now i have to weigh that you know what if my going back to you know make my high school bully pay would fucking erase my children or my wife or yeah. cuz i've always said this right i th- i think time travel movies have to be about inherently sad and failed people Right. Back to the future is kind of the the exception, because, like you said, it's an accidental time travel. Right. You know, because if people are really content and okay in their life, they're not willing to risk it and go back, you know, to punch Biff. Yeah, <laughs> right? Marty doesn't have anything to go back and try and change yet. Like, <laughs> yes. everything as bad as the people that surround him, it's nothing like he doesn't he hasn't lived long enough to have like all those regrets to want to go back and change. <laughs> he just wants that fucking truck. Yeah. He still has that in his <laughs> sights. 
You know what I mean? But he, but he gets a forward... He, he almost preempts the time travel regret because he learns about his future and the mistakes that he makes. So he just doesn't make them in the first place. Does he? We'll get to that later. I have some some beef to with fucking Marty McFly. <laughs> you know, Marty McFly might be the least learning of lessons character of all time. It takes him, him and what is it, six hours to learn the one lesson of the entire series. But... Well, that's neither here nor there. I just i I appreciate the cleverness because I think me and Kevin were briefly chatting about this, and it's you cannot make a clean time travel movie or story. No, there there is not one that exists. You cannot go back and have characters. Because I remember when Star Trek came out and everyone was fucking furious that Young Kirk gets to talk to Spock and he just says that oh, doesn't matter, and we're like, of course it fucking matters. You're Star Trek. You're supposed to be the science show. And it's just like, you know, in a way it doesn't. But like Kevin said, if you're going to do it and it's going to be messy, they did the best. you, And they had that double payoff. And it's just, I mean, because, yeah, it's never going to all the way add up. I think that's the the problem that some shows run into is you try to reconnect all the branches. doesn't work. It's too much. It doesn't work. Yeah, because, I mean, then you're like everything. Like Marty McFly's DNA is on a can or, you right. know, like. Who fucking knows? What, what are the big, I just, yeah, what go the, ahead, Mike. Sorry. One of the big questions I had with this is in the second movie, they talk about when you go back in time and you alter it, you actually create parallel dimensions, which I thought was like a really cool story device. Yes. But then I also have to wonder, is there a timeline where, where the movie started and Marty just doesn't exist anymore and his parents are, and his siblings are still in that miserable existence and just Marty's just gone? <laughs> yeah. I bet uh, – I don't know. It it feels like there is a, a punishment factor for sure for the McFlies. And it gets worse as we go. But yeah, I don't I think something I latched on to this viewing also was Doc Brown's past. Yeah. That yeah. cuz I I just imagine Doc is this like kind of fun guy throughout. Mm-hmm. This movie's Doc Brown is really fucking sad, right? Cuz we already talked about the like dirty dealing with terrorists and getting shot up, Doc Brown, like the possible mike vick style dog abuser doc brown <laughs> right but th- when we go back he is really the last of a line of wealthy people who just is constantly depressed at his failures and there's a moment that struck me when he comes back and uh marty i think he's like oh yeah future boy yeah. he's like mocking him right like he thinks someone else is here to mock him like that's just something that happens to doc brown regularly <laughs> and when he finds out that it's real there is this moment of elation on christopher lloyd's face and he's like you're telling me something i invented worked yeah and so doc brown a man of science doesn't have the overwhelming oh my god i cracked time travel he's just glad that any fucking thing he did works yeah (laughs) that's such a weird place to start with that never dawned on me before that's a great way of thinking about it where where it was like the, the the shock wasn't you know the world altering time with that i succeeded like him <laughs> succeeding was the thing he's like oh boy i finally won and that what i that really resonated with me too uh i i just the character is such i mean everyone lo- loves marty for some reason throughout all these movies i really loved the doc story and i feel yeah. like doc being a part of this was so awesome because i as a kid you don't really look at as a kid you look at the kid you look at the guy on the Mm -hmm. the the skateboard right and 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 being pulled behind trucks 
But like you think about the ramifications of from the doc perspective, he's created it. He was the one that has, you know, all the things lying on uh, doesn't run uh, according to what he wants. And and I loved that. I loved that part of it, especially when he was trying to battle with what in the 50s, especially he was giving him the letter. And Marty was like, you yes. have you, you need to read this because Marty was even trying to do right by him by, by being like, I, I get it. You don't want to know now, but please, for the love of God, like read it at some point. Scientific way yeah. of being like it's it's it could screw up everything. Sound of thunder moment like this could yeah. be me stepping on the butterfly. I can't go and read it. I loved that uh, him battling with that moment. And I just never, you know, as a kid, I didn't really think of that all that much. I just. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, this old guy's an asshole that just wrote up a letter that would have saved his life. No, I just love <laughs> how often the Christopher Lloyd doc breaks his own rules. Like, and he has no excuse for it either. He's like, he reads a letter. He's like, eh, I just figured, what the hell? Like, that was but his entire rationale. I love that, though, because be real, right? You can be a scientist and you can do whatever, right? I think when we think of science, it's like, oh, man, I figured out, like, the new sunburn cream, whatever the fuck, right? That's like what a lot of science is in our world. Yeah. This is a man, right, who through failure and being mocked and alone, he is standing at the fucking great abyss of everything. Like, in theory, he could go back and see the origins of fucking the universe and time itself, right? I love that this movie says you can have rules and a scientist and whatever, Back to the Future never fails to take in the human aspect of this, yeah. right? No, I mean, if the doc is just this inhuman science robot, it doesn't work. Of course you would read that yeah, fucking letter. No, I mean, I, I don't care if you know it's wrong. You read that fucking letter. No, I don't for fault him sure. for it at all. Like, but that's what I love about that character because that's what people would do. Like when he gets like the video, he, like he goes back to the fifties. He's like, we shouldn't know too much about our future. And what does he do as soon as he's alone? He takes the video camera and watches yeah. the video feed. Because uh, you could not help yeah, yourself. Right, exactly. And I, I love would. that because that's that's what matters. Don't worry about creating the paradox. Show me what it would be like for an actual human being to grapple with these yeah. fucking gigantic. Inno- I would want to know. Yeah. I'd want to know right now because if I die two weeks from now, I want to spend all my money and do all the drugs and cool <laughs> stuff. Right. Like, I don't want to, like, keep living this life of like, well, I better diet and lose you know, 50 pounds. I don't want to do that if I'm going to die in two weeks. Right. We all could not resist. And then you even get that great moment, this double payoff of, we know the man, the doc becomes and the cavalier nature and that the rules are kind of squishy. And just that, that really heartfelt moment of him, you know, like I'm really going to miss you, Marty. And doc is saying goodbye to his friend that he just watched get killed in the last round. It's just such an emotional impact. And we have that real human moment of, we don't know if Doc's going to look at it, right? Like, looking back, like, of course he's going to read it. But the movie does a good job of giving them reasonable doubt, I would say, right? And that, that makes that moment when, when Marty says goodbye to the Doc, thinking he's going back and the DeLorean is going to skid to a halt right next to the Doc's dead body. That scene is just really that, – that scene really got me this time watching it. It's yeah. one of those things as a kid that just didn't matter as much to me. You know, like even college age kid, but like today it really got me. And I think maybe it's like the, you know, being in your 30s and having kids, you're like, I can so relate to the, if someone came back and like, oh my God, you're telling me I'm going to do something right? Like, (laughs) 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 Like, that would mean the world to me. 
It's kind of funny, actually, you mentioned that, though, because uh, <laughs> Kevin had asked, like, the way the movie opens up, and I was trying to remember what stuck out. And what I remember now is that very first scene, the whole, like, uh, similar apparatus that it has, like, it's like the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing. Where it's yes, like, I thought that same thing. That makes, that makes the breakfast and all of it. It screws up the entire thing. Everything goes wrong. <laughs> and then in the third movie, uh, he wakes up Slip. in the the wild west and has a very similar machine with way worse technology that works perfectly yeah right but that that's but i like that right because now he's got that swag right so yeah he like, he's got like that said, champion like, swag <laughs> like through this, throughout this movie yeah it's him like actually like getting things right and learning how to do it or through the series yeah it i i don't know i i i love the because again i i i think most people imagine when you do this podcast it's going to be debating is this or is this not a paradox I don't think that's what this I think movie it does is. I think the best possible way to avoid a paradox outside of the Chuck Berry thing. That, <laughs> that should not have been there. I don't know All why right, we they can, did We that. can talk about the uh, the Chuck Berry's bootstrap paradox for sure. <laughs> I, I just don't get why they did that. This might be time for Kevin's game, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I was about to ask you guys. So, yes, we can go and get into some of the um, uh, uh, basically I've got a game that we're going to start playing called uh, Aged Well or uh, Not Aged Well. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and before we dive into it, I was going to ask you guys real quick. Uh, was there a particular scene? in this movie that was your favorite scene and why and i'm more than happy to kick it off just to make sure that like i give you guys a little bit of time to go and think about it so uh (laughs) my 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 favorite scene and probably will be my favorite scene for so long is really the 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 soda uh shop uh, 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 a scene where biff comes in and wants to fight Marty for the first time, and he goes and gets on the skateboard. I think one of the reasons why I love it so much is just because there's there's such a smoothness to that scene where you get to get uh, introduced to 80s stuff, right? He, he's bringing right. the skateboard, and you get to see how it benefits. <laughs> like him sticking up for his dad. He's sticking up for his fucking dad, right? And he's yeah. a kid. And then he's, he's in this moment trying to take it on this much bigger guy and then not only does he take on the guy he takes on all of the guys and they all wreck this awesome ball that moment when the when, when all the manure falls on top of him I'm, I, like as a kid i was so excited and that's perfectly right from the moment where yeah. he's sticking up for his dad to the moment that the it takes you through just this series of emotions where it's like and by the way the weirdest part was like when leah thompson comes in and she's like and he he's dreamy i'm like you know what sweet because she's really uh, hot hot in this movie but also super weird but i get it and i'm (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah that stuff doesn't register nearly enough nope nope not at all and that scene is just so quintessential spielberg too like it just feels like a spielberg movie it really does. The Mechans was taking a lot of Spielberg uh, isms in that moment, and, and really, it, it 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 hits every time. And again, when I ask this question of you guys, what your favorite scene is, it's got to be when 
beginning of that scene, you're not turning to the next channel. You're like, I'm sitting here for the next five to yeah. ten minutes because I need to see what happens. Yeah. So uh, there's for a sure. bunch of other ones, but that one is particularly my well, favorite. That, that scene guess? has all the good character stuff, the the fish out of water. And also, I like the, the manure truck, too, because yeah. that works for a grown-up where you're like, Oh, body shop, but also kids are yeah. like, ha, poop. Yeah, right. right? So it's, it's an ageless comedy wrap up. No, I don't know. I would say this time watching it, I was. <laughs> yeah, poop always works. That's that's a good filmmaking lesson, people. Poop always works. No, I I would say I was absolutely uh, flabbergasted. Is the word I would use watching the first flight of the DeLorean again? Yeah. Right. I was amazed at how i've seen this movie maybe fucking 10 20 times right in my life i used to watch it a lot when i was a kid the the revving up of the delorean the explaining what's gonna happen and the weird thing that hit me this time is that doc pulls marty right in front of the car right yeah he's trying to escape again, it, pull, it pulls into my my time loop theory right is that he already knows what's about to happen Right? Like, he knows that all of this has to go a certain way, so he has no more fear of Libyans, of the car, whatever. But when you're watching it for the first time, and I even had this brief flash where I was like, this is a crazy old man that's like, if this doesn't work, I just want to be dead. And I'm willing to have this kid die with me. <laughs> so maybe I'll be infamous. But that whole scene is so expertly laid out. And when the wind hits him and yeah. the car's gone and the fucking flames the take off right the parking yeah, lot, like even awesome. talking about it, it, it gives me like you know fucking goosebumps. Yep. It's just it's it's one of those moments when you're watching a film and you're like, oh my god, they made something next level. Like this will yeah. matter to me for my whole life. It really wraps that, up. Oh, like, again, you're like it's moment. this stupid old weird like car that was popular for a brief window in the '80s, but that car will always matter to me that yeah. moment those two guys the flames it's it's one of those scenes where it just has every single thing that i love about movies and it's it just takes my breath away so i was amazed at how effective that scene still is which so, is even cooler yeah. like at the end or the, right after that scene where he touches it and burns his hand he's like it's hot no it's cold like it's just <laughs> such a cool imaginative thing that the car just like went into this like sub-zero temperature by going oh yeah i mean it just it makes your head explode with possibilities yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful moment no, that's what I was pretty much going to say the same thing there, Griffey. But next in line to those is at just the very end where Future Doc comes back and they oh, use the trash to <laughs> car. And just the classic line yeah. where we're going, we don't need roads. And the car just flies away. Like that, like you would not have, like the very first time you saw that movie, you would not have seen that scene coming at all. No, but also you would have been like, I want to get that fucking car so right. bad. I want to fly wherever they're going. Yeah, because I remember as a kid, this was before sequels, really. Yeah, like as a kid, I wouldn't have been trained to know that just I was going to get another Back to the Future. Imagine a world where that's the last we see of the Doc and Marty. Yeah. Right. That would have been the greatest ending of a movie of all time had we not continued it out, right? Because everyone who ever saw that movie would have been desperate to be in that car and go on the next adventure and keep imagining with those two. Unbelievable. I forgot exact how much reason, the flying car was amazing. Yeah, that's the exact reason why that would have never, 
it would have never happened. Right. <laughs> so many people. Well, even if it hadn't, it would have like, by like, now. Like, yeah, it, well, well, one of the things, like one of the things I love about that is that I didn't get to see this in a movie theater. I was too young. But yeah, me either. Suddenly, we're like, you have no idea what how that left the crowd. Because when that when the wheel turned and it took off towards you, you're like, it's it's endless possibilities. It's endless yeah. possibilities. Yeah. And I, it is such a great way to end, a top five way to go into yes. a movie. Especially it's funny too because i never think of this when people are like what's the best movie ending you're always like what's the twist the big shocker i think this is easily a top five like yeah. you said because every audience it's the ultimate payoff and to me the ultimate thing about a movie is that you just want to keep doing it you want to yep. keep spending time in that world and that's i don't know i i, I i'm glad you brought up that ending yeah that really stuck me this time because i was like immediate like i want to start part two right now yeah, exactly you right. know <laughs> It actually does say to be continued, doesn't it? So yeah, you know there's a part two coming. Oh, uh, see, well, I never, because I, I like Kevin. I saw it on TV where they probably cut that shit yeah. off and did the credits real fast. So I don't, I don't remember seeing a to be continued when I was little. But also that's like, I remember when I saw the movie The Blob when I was a kid. I used to watch those old monster movies. And it said the end. It <laughs> turned mark. into a question mark. So yeah. good. And I didn't so assume good. that that meant I was going to get a sequel. I thought that just meant. Be fucking scared. <laughs> the blob's coming back eventually. <laughs> no, I remember being a kid and thinking everything was going to have a sequel. Like, every Yeah, see, that's what, I never thought that. I was always just a kid who was like, I got my movie, this is... And then I became a horror movie kid way too young. Yeah. And you're like, that oh, they make eight of every movie. Yeah. That might have been what did it, is I was a horror movie kid, too. It's like, everything had a sequel, and it never stopped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I, I get that one. I even had a system where I would predict how long the movie was going to be. Like, if it was, like, a movie that came out, like, every year, is 90 minutes. Always be 90 minutes. But if it took them two or more years, it was going to be two hours or longer. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. So, 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 Griffey, um, uh, just to hit you with a couple of facts before we get, get into aged well, not aged well. <laughs> uh, first off, the Back to the Future script was rejected 40 times. Forty. Jesus before Universal bought it. Uh, Disney declined it because, and by the way, legitimately referring to the 1955 scene in which Marty kids this movie's about incest. That's what Disney says. So they were like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not wrong. Gonna, they're absolutely yeah. not wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to fault Disney. Um, during, all right, so this is a famous story. Bob, Bob Gale has told it a million times. But during production, Universal executives... Uh, a Universal executive sent a memo uh, who thought the name of the fan here was his suggestion. He said the name of the movie should have been Spaceman from Pluto. Steven Spielberg responded. <laughs> Steven Spielberg responded. In saying the entire crew got a kick out of it. Basically, completely running over this executive and then <laughs> backing the car over him after it because Spaceman from Pluto was his recommendation. All right. Um, I else. can't uh, even uh, there, begin to Dude, imagine Spaceman what clues Pluto. he got from the script that would come to that conclusion. <laughs> like, what Pluto. word salad what? creates that? <laughs> I don't know what kind of sense of irony he was trying to have. And by the way, how's that better than Back to the Future? Anyways, yeah. all right. Yeah. So, um, uh, Universal's product placement got an offer from Ford to use a Mustang. 
instead of the, the DeLorean. Uh, if, right. the, if the time machine had been switched, they were going to give him a lot more money. And then Bob Gale's response, the writer, was, Doc Brown doesn't drive a fucking Mustang. The final thing that I'll say to you guys, the final thing that I'll say is that, if, now this is something that I did not notice, and I had to watch the movie a second time. So at the beginning of the movie, the whole scene takes place at Twin, right? The end, when Doc is saved because of his bulletproof vest, it's called Lone Pine Mall in reference to the pine yes. tree that Marty, yep. when he was feeding yes. away from old man Peabody's farm. So, Oh, my God. I didn't know no, that. You didn't notice that? Lone Pine. Yeah, well, I, I remember it was weird. He said, you killed my pine tree. Yeah. But I didn't. Oh, my yeah, God. That's go back awesome. and watch it. It's, it's pretty slick. Um, <laughs> I love dude. that. That's awesome. You know what I did just think about now that you mentioned the spaceman from Pluto? There, there's one thing okay. I wanted to get on record before we move on. There is a world where even when we cut to the future, right, where the timeline is made right and the McFlys are now wealthy, whatever. Imagine Crispin Glover's character, right, George McFly. Imagine his whore when this character came down and said, I'll melt your brain if you don't ask this girl. My name is Darth Vader. And I think he also makes a Star Trek reference, right? Imagine when 20-some yeah, years later, kind of George McFly sees a commercial for Darth Vader being in Star Wars and just goes, oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the fact that that is not addressed is like George McFly has like a mask. Oh. So in the future, when we see he's a rich, like, uh, waspy country club guy now, yeah. he still somehow is like a Dan Aykroyd, though. He fully believes... He was visited, and then Star Wars is real. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, the 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 ultimate question, though, Griffey, I've got to ask this before I go into aged. Uh, actually, no. All right, aged well or not aged well? Aged well, and his parents don't remember him setting them up for right. that dance, and remember what that dude's face looked like. Yeah, I have the exact yes. same I'm question. sorry if you. If you know somebody that was that integral in your relationship and you think, yeah. don't you think that you would have like cut out a picture of him in the high school yearbook or I don't know, took a yeah. picture, but the idea that they didn't remember what he looked like is insane to me. Well, again, you're, to you're... be fair, I am terrible with names, but I do remember faces right. and I, right. I remember so many more useless people. I thought of it as there's probably a world. In which George McFly is thinking that he's uncovered, like, the whole ruse of the aliens taking over the government. His marriage isn't going well, and all of a sudden he's like, wow, that third kid looks a fuckload like Calvin Klein. <laughs> My wife is definitely cheating on me. <laughs> but he just decides it's okay. He just decides it's okay. But his wife actually had an affair yep. with Calvin yep. Klein down the road. There's yep. no way he doesn't think his wife ran off to fuck Calvin Klein. <laughs> Was Vader, <laughs> was Darth Vader? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Right. He's like, maybe he also had to fuck uh, my wife, or else yeah. Darth Vader would melt his brain. <laughs> no, that would have been an interesting addition, though, if he goes okay, back. Okay, so we can all agree this. Because Marty looks so much like Calvin Klein. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he definitely we, thought that was a love child. We can all agree, though, that them not remembering <laughs> is pretty bad, right? That aged yeah, poorly. That's, that's a pretty um, big loophole. Mike, this is for you. Aged, Mike, aged well or not aged well? Uh, Chuck Berry being inspired by... Obviously not <laughs> aged well. I don't know how it was good at the time. Like, like the one of the was, godfathers of rock and roll 
got a black man who gets his inspiration from a future white boy. Uh, all right. So just to give you a heads up on uh, with people exiting the movie, obviously they ask, what's your favorite part? What's your favorite part? Unanimously, people's favorite parts with the Chuck Berry moment. Unanimously. <laughs> They were really? like, we love it. Oh, yeah. They thought it was clever because they were like, oh, yeah. And he holds up the phone and that's where Chuck Berry became famous. Like they didn't understand the, uh, I don't know, the social. Yeah. Implications that, like, what... that wasn't a black man. That came... oh, oh, they didn't understand the Elvisness of the white guy stealing rock and roll. But again, he stole Chuck Berry's sound. So it is Chuck Berry giving Chuck bury his own music uh, so i would say i would say it's not necessary that it ages poorly yeah. because he did originally get it from chuck yeah sure sure it's sure, a paradox sure. he, but he, i don't know that it chuck ages poorly <laughs> but still yeah. it's also in the same time it's it, it's basically like if your future self came back and gave you something like you yourself now didn't actually create it. Your future self. Well, I understand. I understand it's a paradox, but what I'm saying no, 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 is no, no, if, no, not a paradox. If he had played, let's say that Marty McFly had played his own riff, right? Like we saw earlier in the movie that he was playing his own original jams, right? But all we see Marty Mc, like Marty McFly is playing power of love and Huey Lewis rejects him, right? <laughs> in a good cameo. And then later we hear him like Van Halen and Chuck Berry. He's only playing cover songs. Now, if Marty was portrayed as this prodigy songwriter himself, who then gives music to Chuck Berry, that I think would age poorly. Slightly better, but it's kind of like imagine even your yourself coming back like from the future to now to give you a good sure. script. Fine. You, I would do it in a heartbeat. I wouldn't feel bad that I didn't do enough did. work. Like That's not you. I don't care. Can I cash the present day paycheck and get all the prestige? <laughs> like, that's all I'm worried about. I'm not worried about if I did the legwork. <laughs> I, uh, I I didn't appreciate I didn't appreciate the fact that Chuck Berry didn't take part the Van Halen rift at the end of the really wanted to revolutionize music. He should have started on the guitar, but. He, he, he held it back a little bit, so I understand that. But, I, all right, so for, for, from the, uh, uh, all right, so aged well, not aged well. And by, by the way, I'm not trying to say, like, we're for or against it. It's like, is it is it nat over the years where it's good, good or is it aged obviously poorly? I think, well, uh, incest. Incest. How yeah. are we feeling about that? Aged well or aged not well? Uh, I think it's, incest to, in ages my, like wine. Incest ages like wine. It's always taboo, and it's always something that every viewer will be like, "Wow, what a predicament to find yourself in." <laughs> you don't think that, that 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 moment of him debating if he's going to start rolling around with his mom so that he can be born will fucking blow people's minds for all time. <laughs> so I would say that is always evergreen. Uh... <laughs> I totally, totally, totally agree because it is one of those, like, do I agree with it? No. Am I here for it? Let's see where it goes. I get yes. it. Yes, and does it get um, scarier as I age? Yes, I, this is always going to work. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, the, the the last aged well or not aged well that I'll throw at you, uh, throw, throw at you guys is uh, Huey Lewis in the news. 
Aged well or not aged well? I still love Huey Lewis in the news. Aged well for me. Uh, I, I love Yeah, it. I mean, I, I can't take the emotional bondage out of it, I guess, where it's like, it's tied to a time in my life that I enjoyed. It's tied to a lot of mood. Huey Lewis has this moment. He has the American Psycho moment. Huey Lewis is built into my pop culture world in a way that I kind of love him, but I get that it's not great. You know, what I mean? so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, people always talk about like guilty pleasure. But I don't believe in guilty pleasure. Do you like it or not? I like Huey Lewis in the news. I do. So like, I'm still in. <laughs> they could have gone There's Devo. I guess they do mention the Devo suit. Nah, stop it. No, Power <laughs> Love was wonderful. And you, it's a great song. You, you, Huey Lewis in the news is wonderful. And one of my favorite, one, one of my favorite parts was that they were like, "Hey, Huey." We would love for you. We would love for you, your band, and for us to use your music. Can you song? And the song that he wrote was bad. Oh, you guys are going back in time. Like he didn't have to go put much thought into it. He's like, I'm gonna go back in time. Like he wasn't trying to look for a metaphorical way of getting around. He's like, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. You guys, where you going? Back in time. Boom. So, yeah. I, what 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 B side are they not going to let us put on our new album? Let's just say back in time you. over in a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I give I give him credits on resourcefulness. I'm down with that. I dig it. I dig it. All right. What other games do we have? Are we going to recast? Uh, I can't. I couldn't. I would love to recast if you guys wanted to. I'm I'll, down to recast. I, so, but. It's not. It's not perfectly cast, Mike. It's that you got to take in consideration that the script got to you today, and you got to figure out who in the hell you're going to have in these roles. So you got to go and think of, you know, who's going to be actors your... today. If you made yeah. this movie right now, who would you cast? Uh, Nicholas, Nicholas, Cage, Nicholas Cage. Just Doc. Nicholas Cage is Doc Brown. Cage oh, that's strong I, coming I, out I the do gate. Like that. <laughs> okay, I try to think because you need. I Nicholas feel like everyone would rush Just to comedy. Nicholas Cage is a great fucking left field throw. Oh, man. I would yeah, do that immediately. Would... Yeah, the, outside of what he does, you buy into it. You're assuming oh. that now he's just acting Nick Cage. Yeah. That's so true. I if you it. go Jim Carrey or Jack Black, that's almost too much. Yep. If Robin Williams were still around, I'd say he'd be the perfect guy. It's forced. Like I said, like, yeah. Bruce Kimball even. He'd Campbell be, even. Like, kind of what about Tom <laughs> Hanks? You think Tom Hanks could do Doc? No. I'm tired of him no, in war movies. No, Christopher Lloyd. Why Christopher Lloyd again? Christopher Lloyd still looks the exact same. He He's still old. All over again. Why are we acting like that? <laughs> yeah. I would go, because I've seen people do the deep fake of Robert still Downey old. Jr. and Tom Holland. I would go. Tom Holland would be good. No, I would do Tom Hanks and let him do a comedy Tom role Holland, again, which I, I think that. he would dominate. He's a great comedic actor that we all forget because now he just makes history pieces. And my kid, my kid would be the little fat boy from Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> I forget his name. Why, but I love that kid like, so elementary much. Elementary kid goes to, goes back in time. Oh, well, no, that kid's going to be like 14 before you know it. Amazing. Okay. I could see that. Mike, who would you have being uh, Marty McFly right now? That's a that, that's tough. Like I said, like I don't know many young actors anymore. You're too old. I'm too old. I'm too damn old. I'm not keeping <laughs> so, up on it anymore. So, so you wouldn't pick. I think Tom Holland is actually. Yeah, uh, uh, you wouldn't pick Tom Holland. 
I, I, I like Tom Holland. Archie Yates is the name of the Jojo Rabbit kid. You root for him. <laughs> so I'm going okay. Tom Hanks and Archie Yates. <laughs> no one would have picked that. Hey, hey, why don't I throw one at oh, I, let, let, I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys. Why does it have to be a guy? Why can't it be uh, Millie Bobby Brown, the girl from Stranger Things? That's good. I like her a lot. Yeah, I'd watch her in even anything. For Winona Ryder, kind of has almost a Doc Brownie. I think I could see Winona Ryder doing it now that you're going straight. <laughs> oh, home. man. Well, now I'm like David <laughs> Harbour would the be the best point. Doc. <laughs> Just David Harbour would be an amazing oh, David Doc Harbour Brown. would be a hilarious Doc. <laughs> He's fucking funny, dude. He'd be I love Doc. Giant though, like, like <laughs> yeah, he he's not gonna fit in a DeLorean. He could sure. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta turn this thing into an SUV. <laughs> yeah. Can I get a, a Hummer time machine? <laughs> a Hummer time machine. It, this is, Marty, this thing only goes up to fifty. Someone just got killed in Mike's house. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to. Start we gotta go back to the future and save him. <laughs> Fair I enough. I could be down with that. All right. Anyone uh, else have any closing thoughts on Back to the Future? I think for me, a, 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 a big part of this movie is that people have to realize that this is not a movie that should ever be taken uh, into, like, this can't be turned into, into another reboot. This is right. ended. It's done. And the very first film is in and of itself a top 100 film of all time. In the mind because it hit on so many important notes. It's this day we say the same, we still say lines from this movie. Uh, uh, the actors are timeless in this movie, and the material is so important that I still find it to be uh, one of the most rewatchable films of all time and one of my favorites. So that's my that's my closing thought about it. Yeah, I agree with with Kevin. Like it has some faults in it, but overall, it's a pretty much it's pretty close to a perfect movie, and it ages yeah. so well. Like. Like I said, I just sat and watched the whole series with my kid, and I still love it. Like, and he finds it yeah. entertaining. Someone who's used to modern film still loves it. So, yeah, the, yeah, there's no need to reboot it or remake it. He's like, his first thought is like, I'm gonna make the fourth one. I'm like, good luck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's got to hit me up, dude. It. There's some horror movie. There is a horror movie reboot of this that is ready to go <laughs> with David Harbor and Archie Yates. No, uh. Yeah, I think that is one of the most – because I would argue – I mean, I think this is way higher than top 100 for me. Like, I think you could put this in a top 25 best movies ever. I agree it's almost a perfect film to me. And it's weird because so few movies from the 80s feel as timeless as this movie. So few 80s movies, especially with that aesthetic. And, you know, a lot of my favorite movies are from the 80s. But they don't – they always feel very trapped in that decade. And Back to the Future doesn't, right? It doesn't feel trapped to either of those decades. And it feels very timeless to me. And it's it's always fun. It's always exciting. Um, it's science fiction. And it has that genre stuff that kind of activates the, the nerd that you like. But it always has the, the human moments above worrying about the nerd stuff. Yeah. And I think that's what separates this movie out. Is we're not as worried about the perfect paradoxes or if the photograph's not a perfect barometer. We want you to really bond to Marty McFly and Doc Brown's journey. And I feel like they absolutely succeeded in that regard. Um, the other thing too, is this is one of the rare, rare movies. I remember where when they went at the end, it almost immediately is called into question. I love that the happy ending is already 
not happy to us necessarily. Because as soon as we see that everything's cool yeah. and his brother's like a, a rich douche and his sister's a rich douche <laughs> and Biff is waxing the truck, Doc comes flying in and he's like, it's about your children, right? <laughs> and you're like, oh, damn, he still didn't win. So yeah. Marty McFly still didn't have the happy white knight ending and then we fly off. It's just, it's an absolute masterclass in keeping attention and sparking imagination. And I, I love that. I feel the exact same way. All right, guys, that wraps it up for Back to the Future. Uh, Kevin and Mike will be rejoining me in the future uh, of not very far from now to discuss Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back. As always, please take a second, leave us a rating and review. Follow the YouTube channel. That's Nerd Alchemist, plural with an S at the end. Uh, and thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few. Bye.